We're continuing this teaching series from the Minor Prophets. And if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, please open it to the, the, the prophet of Habakkuk, just after Nahum, whom we looked at last Sunday. And, uh, you know, th- these, these teachings from these Minor Prophets have been very timely and very relevant. I really believe that. They've encouraged us that no matter what's happening in the world and in our country to trust God, to, they've challenged us to be faithful to Him no matter what and to trust in Him more than we trust in any other, any other uh, person. And so far in these uh, minor prophets, there's been a lot of focus on God judging nations, right? Not just those nations like Judah and Israel, His people, but, but nations that served idols, pagan nations. God judges nations, And I've said in different ways over the weeks that perhaps because, as Ernie Johnson said in that video, we've been faced with having to vote for two unpopular candidates, both of questionable character, that maybe God was giving us what we deserved. But Habakkuk takes things to a another place he 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 adds to it a a, an additional level of understanding because what he's going to teach us today is that sometimes god works in ways we don't expect that god works in ways that will surprise us and he might choose methods and people that we would not think he would normally choose And when God works in ways that we don't always expect or can totally explain or understand, He has certain expectations of us. No matter what, God has expectations of us. And Habakkuk makes that really clear. In the background is, you'll remember the northern kingdom of Israel had already, you know, a century earlier been conquered and destroyed by the Assyrian army. And then in 612 B.C., Babylon conquered Assyria and became the dominant military power of that part of the world. In 607, Babylon attacked Judah. And over the next several years, 20 years, there were three different invasions from the Babylonian army into Judah, 607, 597 and 587 B.C. And each time they took away some of the population as slaves. The reason there were three attacks, they would put a puppet king on the throne and after a few years he would listen to false prophets and revolt and the army would come back and conquer them again. In that first invasion, Daniel was carried away as a slave. In that second invasion, Ezekiel was carried away as a slave. The last one in 587 B.C. left the nation of Judah just devastated. The city burned, the temple destroyed, and the masses carried into slavery in in another country. Well, between the time that uh, Babylon conquered Nineveh in 612 B.C. and that first invasion in 607 B.C., it's in that five-year window that Habakkuk preaches. And his book is different than the others in the sense that his whole book is this conversation, this dialogue between him and God. Chapter 1 is a back and forth between Habakkuk and God. Chapter 2 is a long talking God gave the prophet. And chapter 3 is basically a prayer the prophet prayed to God. 
Because in the process of that back and forth between him and God, he was renewed spiritually. He was renewed in his faith. He was strengthened. And so I want us to, to, to look at it because there's some important lessons for us today as the people of God. And this may be the most relevant message of this entire series. Chapter 1 of Habakkuk begins by talking about the oracle, the message that the prophet saw or received from God. And it's interesting that Hebrew word means both message and burden. Because his message, it was from God, but it was a heavy message. It was a weighty message. It was a message that broke his heart and burdened him. And so in verses 2 and following, he asked God a question. He said, how long, O Lord, will I call for help and will you not hear? I cry out to you, violence, yet you do not save. Why do you make me see iniquity and cause me to look on wickedness? Yes, destruction and violence are before me. Strife exists and contention arises. Does that sound like the world today? Therefore, the law is ignored. Justice is never upheld. The wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, justice comes out perverted. It's as though Habakkuk is saying, God, how long? Now, he's not talking about Babylon in those verses. This is before the Babylonian invasion. He's talking about Judah. God, how long are you going to let Judah, how long are you going to let your people act like this? Remember, all these prophets have been preaching, except for the ones that preached about Nineveh and and so on, have been preaching to the people of God, saying, unless you repented, what was going to happen? Judgment was going to fall on the nation. And Habakkuk says, God, I look around and I see all this violence and all this sin, all this immorality, all that people are doing. It's your people here in our country. God, how long are you going to be quiet and let the nation of Judah continue doing this? God, how long are you going to let America keep acting like she does? And in verses 5 and following, God answers. So when you ask the question, God, why is there evil? Why do you allow that stuff to happen? God answers. Verse 5, he said, he said to the prophet Habakkuk, God speaking, says, Hey, 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 dude, look among the nations. Observe, notice, be astonished and wonder because I am doing something in your days. God says, I'm not silent, I'm moving. You may not see it, but I'm at work. You would not believe it if you were told. For behold, verse 6, I am raising up the Chaldeans. Who are the Chaldeans? It's another name for the Babylonians. Were they followers of God? No. Did they worship idols? Absolutely. But God says, I'm using them. They're a fierce and impetuous people. Middle of verse 6, they march throughout the earth to seize dwelling places which are not theirs. They conquer foreign countries. Verse 7, they are dreaded and feared. Their justice and authority originate within themselves. In other words, whatever they want to do, they do. Whatever they think is right, that's what they say is right. Does that sound familiar? And he goes on to talk about how cruel the Babylonians were. And what God is saying, Habakkuk, you you think I'm not doing anything, but but look around because this, this nation over here to the east of you all, 
And they're fierce and they're, they're evil. And, I, and I'm raising them up and they are going to be the instrument in my hand to judge the nation of Judah, the people of God, to bring the people of God to repentance and faithfulness. He ends that answer in verse 11 by saying, in the middle of verse 11, they will, they will be held guilty, that Babylon will be judged. And he talks about that some in chapter 2. And we've already seen the prophets. And Jeremiah in particular says, even though Babylon was God's instrument to judge Jerusalem, that God was then going to turn around and judge Babylon for her cruelty. God judges all the nations. And then verse 12 Habakkuk replies to God, and it's as almost as, as though he's saying, God, I don't get it. In verse 12, he says, now this is Habakkuk, the prophet, talking to God. He says, God, you are, from, are, are you not from everlasting? In other words, God, you're the eternal one. Oh, Lord, my God, my holy one, we will not die. You, O oh Lord, have appointed them. To, you, you've appointed them to judge. You, you've raised up the Babylonians as your instrument of judgment upon us. And you, O oh Rock, have established them to correct to correct us. And then he says to God, the prophet says, God, your eyes in verse thirteen, your eyes are too pure to approve evil, and you cannot look on wickedness with favor. Why do you look with favor on those who deal treacherously? And why are you silent when the wicked swallow up those more righteous than they? And then he goes on to talk about the wickedness of the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. <clears throat> God, I don't get it. The Babylonians are more evil than the Judeans. And yet you're using them? See, here's the thing you've got to understand. God can use anybody he chooses to use. And if you think the only people God can use are those who love him with all their heart, you're mistaken. God can use evil people for his purposes. But those people will be held responsible by the Lord as well for their lives and their decisions and their values. Do you get my point? Don't think that just because God is using somebody, that person is righteous. That's an unbiblical statement. It's an unbiblical mindset. And that's why I'm saying to the people of God, be humble and don't blame God for everything that you like in this world. See, God's at work. Always is. I believe that. But sometimes when God answers our prayers, there's more to it than we think. Are you hearing me, church? Now, chapter 2 begins in verse 1 with Habakkuk going out and standing on a rampart on a tower. And it's like he's watching the horizon, waiting for the Babylonian army to, to attack. He's standing on that tower waiting for God to tell him more. He wants to hear from God. And the rest of chapter 2 is God talking to the prophet about his judgment. 
on people and nations for five particular sins. The Babylonians, yes. The Judeans, yes. America, yes. Any and all nations who are guilty of those sins. But what I want you to to see in particular in chapter 2, a couple of things. One in verse 3. God says to Habakkuk, he said, the vision, for the vision, the vision of chapter 1, what God had revealed to Habakkuk, is yet for the appointed time. He said, God, God's saying, there's a time, there's, there's a time in history when that's going to happen. It's not yet. I've, I've appointed the day. It hastens toward the goal. And it will not fail. God says, my plans in this world are going to come to fruition. It's on the calendar. And when that date shows up, it will happen. Though it tarries, wait for it. How often do we get impatient because God doesn't do things on our timeline? Not understanding that God has a bigger picture and a bigger plan and he's at work on something much greater than what we understand. He says, it tarries, but wait on it. Wait for it. For it will certainly come, it will not delay. When when the date arrives, it's definitely happening. See, God's at work. He has a plan. And his plan might surprise us. The way God works and whom he works through might not be what we would, if we were just sitting back and writing history ourselves, say, that's the way God ought to do it. God's, God's God. And it's going to happen on his timeline, not ours. And by the way, it's true in your life as well, mine also. You know, God can use whomever God chooses to bless me. God can use use whomever he chooses to bless you. God can use whomever he chooses to correct us. God has a plan for our lives, and he's got a timeline for it. And it may not match. It may not match the timeline I wish it was. Right? So what do you do? You're a follower of Jesus Christ. You say you love him with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. What do you do? He tells us in verse 4. He said, Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him. People who are arrogant, something's wrong on the inside. That's the reason I said one of the watchwords for us is humility. You, you want peace in America? Then people of God, show some humility. When God answers our prayers, show some humility. When we see the hand of God, show some humility. Because arrogance and pride says something's wrong on the inside. See, if, if, now hear me, hear me, church. If God can use the unrighteous to accomplish his purposes, is it not also true that those who are his people can be wrong on the inside? And that's why I appreciated Ernie Johnson saying, look in the mirror. If I'm, if I'm going to be part of the solution, I need to look in the mirror and stop just looking out the window. We, we are 
so good sometimes as followers of Christ looking at the window and seeing the evil everywhere else and not as good to look in the mirror and see what God might be trying to show us in our own hearts and in our own souls. He says in verse 4, the righteous will live how? By faith. What, what do you do when God's up to stuff and you don't totally understand it? When God is doing things and you're glad he's doing it, but he's doing it in a way you didn't expect or using people you wouldn't expect him to use? What do you do when life isn't going according to the plan or the timeline you would have written, but God's at work? What do you do? You live by what? And faith means you're not in control. You have faith in the one who is in control. You jump over to chapter 3. Verse 1, it begins by telling us this is a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet. And the whole chapter, all 19 verses, is a prayer. See, here's what's happened. Now, Now get this. He has this dialogue back and forth with God. And in the beginning, he's frustrated. You ever been frustrated? (laughs) I have. You ever been frustrated with things in this country? I have. So what does he do? He goes to God. He says, God, I don't understand it. Why are you letting your people, why are you letting this nation do all that? Why, why, God, you're, God, you're not, it's like you're not doing anything and this world's going to hell. And God says, wait a minute, wait a minute, I am doing something, but you don't see it. And it may surprise you in terms of how I'm going about it. But God, do you mean you're going to do it that way? That person's more evil than, than us. You're going to do it. And God says, hey, hang, hang on. I can do what I want to. I'm God. And I'm going to judge everybody. You and everybody else. Because everyone's accountable to me. And what's interesting is through this back and forth, this back and forth, this back and forth in this prayer. Do you know what happens to Habakkuk? He becomes stronger in his faith. And the last chapter of his book is a prayer to God, a prayer of worship. Now I want us to look at the last few verses starting at verse 16. He's talking to God and he says, I heard, I heard the vision, the message of God, and my inward parts trembled at, at, at the sound, my lips quivered decay enters my bone and in my place i tremble why because i must wait quietly for the day of distress for the people to arise who will invade us he says god all right you've told me you're judging and i don't like it and it scares me to death to think about what's coming to our country and you using the Bible, it scares me god and i've got fear See, can can you be honest with God? Too many of us go through our Christian life pretending, lying to ourselves and lying to God. And you're not going to get anywhere in your spiritual development unless you learn to be honest with God. Because here's the thing, God's bigger than you. He can take it. And then he can correct you and encourage you and help you. But, But you're not going to grow if you can't be honest. Now verse 17. 
he's envisioning the day after Babylon conquers Judah. And he says, though the fig tree should not blossom and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olives should fall and the fields produce no food, and though the flock should be cut off from the field and there be no cattle in the stalls. He said, God, when Babylon comes and judges us as your instrument, it's going to be bad. Are there problems in this country? Are there going to continue being problems in this country? Are there going to continue being problems in this world? You know what he learned? Verse 19. Or verse 18 rather. Yet I will do what? I'll exult. I'll rejoice in the Lord In the God of my salvation, he said, no matter what's going on around me, when I don't understand it, when I don't like it, when it it surprises me, when it's not the way I expected it to happen, God, when, when, when you choose this way rather than that way, this person rather than that person, when this happens rather than that happening, God, through all of this, you know what I've, what I've learned? You know what he says? He says, I've learned God through all of it, through all of it, through all of it, I'm going to rejoice and celebrate and exult, not in the circumstances, but in you, the God of my my salvation. Jesus said, my peace I give you, not as the world gives. See, if your peace is based on elections and economies and circumstances and jobs and people, you're in for a hard life. Because peace doesn't come from those places. Do those things matter? Absolutely. But you know what matters? Jesus and your relationship with him, your trust in him. He says in verse 19, the Lord is my strength. The Lord is my strength. You've you've heard me jokingly but seriously say, Stop watching so much television. Stop watching so much political commentary. Stop reading so much. You know, it's a, be informed. I'm informed. I read the news. I keep up with stuff. I'm informed. But some of you spend so many hours tracking all that stuff and so few minutes with God in prayer and in His Word. And if you spend more time, whether you're a liberal watching MSNBC or a conservative watching Fox, than you spend in God's Word and in prayer on the inside, you're not right spiritually. Because it's causing you to live by fear more than faith. To trust man more than God. To control more than let go. Is that direct enough? Be informed. I read news on this every day from a lot of different sites, not just one. Because I believe in looking in the mirror. And I believe in hearing from God. He says, as I wrap this up in verse 19, The Lord God is my strength, and he has made my feet like hinds feet, 
and he makes me walk on my high places. God is Habakkuk's strength. Is he your strength? He's talking about a red female deer that lives in the mountains. And it's interesting because they can climb cliffs. And what he's saying is it's God, it's Jesus, it's this time with him, it's this strength that he gives me, it's this inner peace that comes from him. It's, it's him that gives me the ability like that female red deer to walk whatever terrain I come upon. To live in whatever circumstance the world has for me at that moment in time. Because when a person or a people try to do it their own way rather than God's way, you keep falling down. Let him be your strength. Now, I I believe God's at work in this country. But I don't know the future. And I don't understand everything that God is up to. But I'm going to trust him. And I'm not going to live by fear. And I'm not going to try to control everything. I'm just going to preach Jesus, love Jesus, serve Jesus, and stay faithful to Jesus. What are you going to do? Because, again, I I, I should just let Ernie Johnson preach the sermon today. We never know who's going to be the governor. We never know who's going to be on county council. We never know who's going to be the president. We never know who's going to be in Congress. But God is the, as Habakkuk said, the eternal one. So I'll go back again. What's those three words? Prayer and faithfulness and humility. If we do it that way, we'll be okay even if God judges America. Prayer, faithfulness, and humility. Would you stand?